But let me just share this quick testimony. There was a, um, a, a special meeting this weekend that several of us went to, uh, several of our young adults and several of us in leadership went to, and Andrew Folletti, who uh, is our music director uh, and on staff in the House of Prayer, he, uh, he was at this meeting on Friday night along with several others. But when he got to the meeting, this is just interesting, he got to the meeting, uh, he, he went to go pay for his parking, and, uh, and you know, this is downtown Atlanta, you know, there's parking places, parking decks and parking lots kind of randomly all over. He's trying to go to where the, this conference is at, at one of the hotels, and he's parked, you know, a, couple, a block and a half away. And, and so he pulls in, and he's trying to park, and he's getting ready to go pay for his uh, parking, and these two ladies just, they said, hey, hey, we already paid for a parking ticket. Um, here, you can have ours, as he's standing there to pay for his parking, and they give him this uh, ticket that's already paid for, and it's parking uh, space number 55, number 55, five. okay? So keep that in mind. So he goes into the meeting, and the meeting is being led by a, a new friend of ours, a guy named Brian Guerin. And Brian, is a, he's a prophetic minister. He, he flows in prophecy and signs and wonders. And um, really, under, he's a very understated kind of guy. And then God does these com- completely amazing things through his ministry. But, so he's in the meeting. And, and Brian goes, you know, I, I got this word before the meeting that the Lord... He goes, he goes, I don't know exactly know what this is, but I saw a ticket, and the ticket had the number 55 on it. And he said, the Lord has already paid for the ticket. And he said, all you have to do is sign it. And that's what Andrew actually had to do, is he had to sign off on his parking ticket. He said, all you have to do is sign it. And he goes, I feel like the message is grace. And and a lot of people realize that five is the number of grace. He said, I feel like the message is grace, grace. And so Andrew's sitting there, and he is flipping out because he's just gotten a free parking ticket to parking space number five, five. And, uh, and he had to sign off on it, and he just like, kind of bumbles up to the front and goes, uh, this is the ticket that you're prophesying about. And, uh, and then they, the, Brian turned to Andrew and said, well, why don't you pray for us for the release of grace, grace? And Andrew goes, I think you should pray for me. He goes, no, no, you pray for us. And so he had him pray, but I thought that was a really interesting and specific kind of word, and the the tie-in was that the Lord is releasing grace in a double measure, grace, grace to his people, and it just so happens that my message this morning is grace upon grace, which I didn't decide that after the parking ticket. I already had that in place, so I feel like that's what the Lord is speaking right now to us is he wants to release grace in our midst, and it's grace unto glory. You know, Psalm 84, the the scripture says, the Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. And this is the thing, beloved, the Lord wants to take us into a place of the experience of his glory in the midst. 
I'll just say that again because I think it just went completely over your head and out the back door. The Lord wants to take us to the place of the experience of his glory manifest in our midst where we're actually experiencing the, the radiance of God, the radiance of the glory of God in the midst of the congregation. Now, I don't know about you, but there's nothing I want more than, than the manifestation of God's glory in the midst. I mean, Moses, the thing that was burning in Moses' heart, he said, show me your glory. Show me your glory, which is the expression of God's depth, the expression of, of his person. It's the resonance of his face, which the Lord answered to Moses, and he said, you can't see my face and live, Moses. If you see my face, everything that comes off of my face, if, if you look into that, it will disintegrate you. That's me adding, it will disintegrate, but it will kill you. And, and so he said, I will, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I'll declare my name to you, Moses, and that's the most I can give you without killing you. And there's something about your heart, you're made to interface with God, with the glory of God, not to stand at a distance. How many of you guys are catching what I'm saying right now? We're not made to live at a distance from the Lord. We're made, uh, Ephesians 1 says, that we would be before him in love. That's before his face, before his presence, in his glory. And I feel like this, that the Lord is inviting us into the manifestation of his glory. He wants to manifest his glory in our midst. <laughs> okay, there's, a, there's four or five of us that are agreeing. Gabe's in. Let me say it again. I just need you to nod or say, oh me, or, or anything. God wants to manifest his glory in our midst. He really does, beloved. Yes, and that's, what, that's where our heart can only, we can't do anything to make that happen. All we can do is say, yes, God, we want that. Can we just even just pray just for a moment and just just. Ask the Lord. We just, just put our hearts before the Lord and just say, God, we want all that you have for us. So let's just for a moment, just close our eyes and just with a heart that says, yes, here we are, Jesus. Here we are. And Lord, I want to tell you that we want you. We want your glory. We want the manifestation of your presence. Jesus, we want your presence in the midst. And so, God, I'm asking, pour out the glory of the Lord in the midst. And even today, as, as we lean into the understanding of grace, we know that you are the one who gives grace and glory. And so, Lord, we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves to hear from heaven and to receive all that you have. In our hearts, we say yes. We say yes. Release your glory in our midst, we ask, Lord. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Okay. I'm going to begin to move through this message. Uh, 
If you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 1. It'll come up on your screens, but I want to read an extra verse or two that I didn't give them in the notes. Today's message is entitled, Grace Upon Grace. And I want to talk about the grace of God. And I want to invite you, if you've heard lots of messages on the grace of God, to just right now set your heart to freshly hear the word of God. I'm so aware of my own propensity that when I'm familiar with a verse or a a subject that I kind of approach it with a, yeah, I already got that kind of an attitude. And the Lord continues over and over and over to bring me to familiar scriptures and just reset me in them. And he just kind of just goes, you know, let me just show you what you think you know and then what you don't actually know. And let me just teach you again. And he just re-instructs me over and over and over in the scripture. And, and, you know, that's part of what it means that the word is living. It's alive. And, and there is uh, unending revelation in the word. The, the, the revelation of Jesus is in the word in an infinite way. And so let's just look at this. John chapter 1, I want to start at verse 14. And we will read uh, to verse 17. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said he comes after me. He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Everybody say grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I am just right now in a moment where the Lord is overwhelming me with his grace. He's overwhelming me with the revelation of his grace. And so I'm just going to share out of my own personal times with the Lord from the last few weeks and what he's been sharing with me. And again, just in, sort of invite you in to my, my uh, private time with the Lord. So when we're talking about grace, we're talking about divine enablement, the, the, the endowment of God's ability in our lives. That's what grace is, divine enablement or the endowment of God's ability in our lives. And we understand that there's saving grace, that the cross of Jesus Christ is, is grace manifest. It's, it's that by which we could not do anything, we could not offer anything, we, we couldn't add one inch to, to, our, to our lives or to, and, and, and express the need that we have. We could not save ourselves in even one inch. There's nothing we can offer that, that strengthens the power of the grace of God in the cross. The blood of Jesus Christ completely saves us and sets us free, and that's the grace of God. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It's the gift of God, amen? That's Ephesians 2, right? So we know that. Then we come to Jesus. When you, when you come to Jesus, 
You come saying, I can do nothing, I have nothing, and I am nothing, and I need you to save me, Jesus. I need you to rescue me, Jesus. And it's the grace of God that he rescues us. That's his grace. It's lavished upon us, the scripture tells us. And so we don't add anything to our salvation. We, we understand this. We come to God empty-handed, broken, with nothing, and we are saved by grace. That's the cross. That's the blood of Jesus. If you think that somehow you're adding something to your salvation, if you think somehow like you're doing something to get saved, you don't understand grace. Okay, so, so grace is God rescuing us in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. So that's saving grace. Now, now there's, there's grace that we live by and grace that we stand in. And that's what I want to talk about more today. Because the Lord has been dealing with me about the issue of, you know, grace in my own life and, and the issue of, of pride and humility and, and how grace works in there and false humility. And I want to talk about those things today. And so um, uh, in Jesus, we just read it. It's, the Bible says we receive grace upon grace. And it says, of his fullness, you know, we have received and grace upon grace. That word fullness, it goes with his glory. Because we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father. And from his fullness, that word fullness is interchangeable with glory. Okay? It's interchangeable with glory. From his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. So it's a manifestation of God's glory that we would receive grace, and in his grace, we experience his glory. Hallelujah. But here's the point. Your life and my life are experiences in the grace of God over and over and over and over again. It's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And whatever the product is of our life, whatever God makes us, that is a product of grace. Now, we don't like this because we want to be strong. We want to add something. We want to do something and have something to show for ourselves. We want to manifest, let me just be clear, we want to manifest the arm of the flesh and say, I did that, and look what I did. Look at me. That's the flesh. Human ability is basically, the, you know, that's what, Arrogance is wrapped up in the, 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 uh, the idea that human ability accomplishes something. That's pride. That's the, kind of the whole of pride, that I bring something, I have something to offer, I am something. And, and the truth of the matter is what you are in Christ is a product of grace upon grace. And it's grace alone that has made you what you are. It's not your own ability. Oh, I'm gonna have to just beat on that drum. It's not your own ability. Watch this. All of your righteous works, the Bible tells us, are filthy rags. I'm not gonna go into the detail of what kind of filthy rags, but when you study it, it's horrifying. It's, it's horrifying. They're the, just the filthiest of rags is the point. All you can offer, your righteous works are filthy rags. And that's why that whole thing, like I'm basically a good person, 
is such a falsehood. It's such deception and it's lies. And so here's what happens. If that thing can get broken in you in salvation and you say, okay, I'm not a good person, I need Jesus. And then you, you say yes to Jesus. Oftentimes that same mentality though carries over to what you are in Jesus. And you kind of think, well, I'm basically a good person. I mean, I got saved, I needed Jesus, yes, but I'm a good person, I'm doing good things for God. And the truth of the matter is, you are not able to do anything good for God apart from grace. Just need a better amen right there. You can't do anything, quote unquote, for God. You can't do anything in the kingdom, anything of spiritual impact, anything of kingdom impact without grace. You don't have the ability in and of yourself. And so not only do we have to completely surrender to grace in salvation, we also surrender to grace in all the outworkings of our life. And so Paul said it this way. I love this verse. This verse has had a spotlight on it for me for the last few weeks. It is just life. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, he says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Hallelujah. I am what I am by the grace of God. In other words, Paul's saying, I didn't make myself an apostle. I didn't make myself this writer of the New Testament. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with establishing myself in this. He goes, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he goes, and his grace, it, it proved toward me not in vain. In other words, I cooperated with it. And I like to say it this way, God invites us by his grace to be his fellow worker. That's, the, that's what the scripture calls it, that we are God's fellow workers. You know, you don't actually do anything for him, you work with him, that's called grace. And we're so silly, God is this, it's almost like this, it's like God is this master builder. He knows how to build $500 million, you know, skyscrapers. We show up and we go, I'm able to nail nails into wood. I'm gonna do a few things for you, God. He goes, I'll tell you what, if you'll come under grace, we'll build $500 million skyscrapers or you can take your little gift and you can pound a bunch of nails into wood. And what we do is we pound away, pound away, pound away, pound away. We go, look, look at all my nailed wood. Isn't it awesome? And God goes, there was an entire masterpiece I was inviting you into, but you wanted to bring your strength to the table. Come on now, y'all. I know it's nine o'clock. Did y'all miss your coffee this morning? Let's go. He goes, you wanted to bring your strength to the table, but I didn't need it. I just needed your agreement. I just needed your yes. I just needed you to say yes to what I wanted to do through you, not for you to flex your muscle and show me that, you know, try to prove to me that you're worthy to be loved or that you're holy by working it out in your flesh. You know what we end up being like? We're like the child who's like trying to perform for our father. And we, we're, you know, the, the little two-year-old goes, watch, watch my dance. And it's like cr the craziest looking funny little thing. And we go, oh, that's wonderful. We know that's not ready for the, the ballet show. 
It's precious because they're doing it for us as the parent. But the truth of the matter is we know that that's, it's really just weakness. It's precious, but it's weakness. And that's what we do all the time is we offer God all, all the best that we can. And we think it's strength. And he goes, if you'll just see that it's weakness, then I can actually fill you. I can actually use you. He goes, the grace of God, he goes, it wasn't in vain toward me. And then he says this, uh, I labored more abundantly than they all, talking about other kingdom workers, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. And, and the point of it is this, grace never instructs you or calls you to be lazy. Grace doesn't ever call you to be less passionate or less hungry or, or less, you know, uh, pursuant of the things of God. Grace actually enables you way beyond what's, what's even in your mind to do. More abundantly, he said, I labored. He goes, I labored in a way that was surprising even to me. And this is one who was zealous and a, and a persecutor of the church. He was really trying to, to show that he was into the, the law and, and really a, a, an up, upright uh, you know, Judaizer. And, and so here he is uh, saying, you know what? All of that, because remember Paul tells us everything that he had in Christ or everything he had before Christ, he counted as loss and rubbish. He said it was all garbage in view of the knowledge of Jesus. He goes, everything that I was was a goose egg. In fact, it was garbage in view of Jesus. And so this is what his, his comment is here in 1 Corinthians 15. He goes, all that I am now, it's a product of grace. It's all because of God's grace. And so was Paul revelatory? Yes. He goes, but that was a product of grace. Was he fiery and passionate? Yes, that was a product of grace. In other words, Paul wasn't able to bring his strength and then God used his strength. What Paul did was he said, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. Am I preaching yet? All right, so now let's dial this in a little bit. We know the verse, you know, God gives grace to the humble. He's opposed to the proud. But let's just read it and let's think about these, these, uh, these thoughts. First Peter 5. You can also find the same thoughts in James 4, but, but let's look at it. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. I would just confess that in the past I know that I and I know others have read this verse like this. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And what we, what we dial in on is that somebody's getting exalted here pretty soon. And if I'm humble enough, it's gonna be me. Hallelujah. <laughs> and that's not what this verse is about at all. And, but what's weird is in our soul, 
there is a desire for greatness. There is a desire for legacy. There is a desire to experience something of glorification. Like we've, we've, got, that, we've got that in there. And the reason why it's in there is because God wrote that on the human heart. This desire for transcendence and this desire for exaltation, it's in there. But what we don't realize is that the exaltation that's, that, really, that we really want on the inside is not an exaltation in human flesh and in human strength. And you see it because the most humanly, fleshly exalted people, they never get enough. Do they? They get to the top and then they try to figure out how can I top being at the top? And what is that? It's, it, they're exalted, but they're exalted in the flesh, and it's not actually scratching the itch of that, that desire on the inside for greatness. And I would propose to you this, that the exaltation that is written on the human heart has nothing to do with looking great before men. It has everything to do with being enabled by God. The exaltation we're looking for is the empowerment of grace in our life, which I think is exactly what he's talking about here. It says he gives grace to the humble, therefore humble yourselves that he may exalt you. Do you see the correlation? He gives grace to the humble, so humble yourself so you can get grace, would be the, if he said it exactly the same, but instead of just saying get grace, he says that he can exalt you. The exaltation is the getting of grace. Do you see that? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. So what is humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God? Here it is. I think this is at the, at the core of it. This is all it is. It's joyfully surrendering to the truth that you can do nothing without Jesus. Joyfully surrendering to it. I am nothing, I have nothing, I can do nothing without Jesus. And what our propensity is, is we love to be exalted in the flesh. We actually love our flesh. It's called the pride of life. Our flesh loves human exaltation. So we're always looking for someone to, to you know, boast on our behalf, someone to exalt us. Our flesh wants it, but it's never satisfied because you're in, deep in your soul, there's this desire for the, the, the exaltation of grace. But that, that, that flesh is warring against the spirit at all times, right? And so here's what we, what we do. We think that there is a, a, an exaltation that causes us to be great before men in the flesh, and as we seek it, it actually ends up leaving us completely empty. And so he says this, he says, surrender to this. Humble yourself, clothe yourself with humility, surrender to this, that you can do nothing, you have nothing, and you are nothing without Jesus. Jesus said this really, really clearly in John 15, 5. He just said it just straightforward. He said, without me, you can do nothing. We're going to bring this home in just a second. But I love how this is sort of just resting on the room right now. You're like, dude, come on, just encourage us. I am encouraging you. You can't do anything without Jesus. And it's not like he's withholding either. He wants to lavish grace on the humble. 
The question is, will you admit it? Will you admit that you can do nothing without him? That you have nothing without him? That you are nothing? Will you admit it? Will you swallow that? And I will tell you that pride is anything that says that you have something to offer and you don't need God. Now, when we believe that we bring something to the table to add to the work of God in us, when we think that we've got some strength to offer, that's pride, okay? So it's kind of like this. We think like, okay, so God's calling me to do something, so here's what I'll do. I'll do the very best I can with the gifts that he's given me and the strength that I have, and, 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 and you might even think, and I'll fall short, and then what'll happen is he'll give me some grace, and grace will make up the difference, If that's your mentality of grace, I will tell you, you don't have the proper mentality of grace because you don't have anything to offer in your own strength. Here's what pride is. Pride is thinking that you bring something to the table that can actually produce kingdom influence and spiritual impact. Let me show you something. Flesh only produces flesh. It never produces spirit. Flesh cannot produce spirit. Flesh produces flesh. So if you think I'm gonna do something, just go as hard as I can for God in my own strength, I'm just gonna go for it. And then what grace will do is make up the last you know, little bit. That's complete pride. Ooh. I'm, I'm about to get in here with you in just a second. but you just... And so here's our challenge. Pride is ultimately faith in our own ability to offer anything in any measure. Now, here's my confession. And what's happening in my heart is so interesting because my language has almost not changed at all, but what's happening internally, has there's a switch that's flipped completely. I've, I would say it this way. I've said it right, and I've, I've said publicly, I can do nothing without Jesus. But internally, let me just get real raw and honest if, if you guys can handle it. Internally, I've believed I bring some strength to the table. I bring some zeal, or I bring some passion, or some energy, or something. I bring something. I got something to offer, come on. And internally, I've thought, I'm bringing something. Even even if it's only like 10%, say God's calling me to, to go 100% of some distance, and I, and, I, and I think I can only do, maybe I can only do 10%, and I'm offering that 10%. He goes, yeah, no. Because your 10% is actually flesh, and doing it in your own strength is actually arrogance. Here's what I need you to bring. I need you to bring zero. And I need you to agree with me that you have nothing to offer and I will give you the hundred. Beloved, that's grace. Grace is you show up with a goose egg joyfully. Here I am, broken little me, I got nothing. I am nothing. I can do nothing without you. Here I am. Oh, you want us to go to Pluto. Okay, I can't go at all to Pluto. I've got zero. He goes, great. I've got turbochargers. I've got nitroglycerin tanks. I've got oxygen. I've got all sorts of stuff. I'm going to blast you and take you all the way to Pluto. I'll give you the 100% to get you there. 
But here's our problem, and this is my problem. Somehow I thought, if I try really hard, I'm zealous, I'm passionate, I mean, I'm a fiery guy, I got stuff to offer. Somehow I thought that my offering was aiding God in what he's trying to do in my life. And, what, and as the Lord is just dealing with me, I would look back over my life and I would see over and over and over again, I would try so, so, so hard on stuff and I would just crash and burn and just go, ah, oh. and almost like whine to the Lord, like, Lord, I can't do it. He's going, I've been waiting on you to say that. I've been waiting on you to say that. Now, I want to do that. And I want to do it through you. Now, will you agree that you cannot do it? Will you agree that you have nothing in you to offer? And if you'll agree with that, grace will empower you. Not the rest of the way, all of the way. This is a critical, critical key to receiving the grace of God. Humility. Humble yourself, and he will exalt you. God is opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Have you, have you noticed, maybe you've noticed this in your life like I did, that the, the activity of the Lord in my life, sometimes it would be like, you know, there was just these times where no matter how hard I tried, we couldn't get it done. And then I would give up, and then whoosh, the air would take me there. Do you know what I mean? It was like all of a sudden the gusts would just take you there just almost overnight. And I realized it's this struggle in my own soul between dealing with do I have something to offer or do I have nothing to offer? And when I would get to the place of just actually confessing I don't have anything to offer, that's when God would meet me with grace. And beloved, this is where God wants to take us to the place where we believe that grace isn't making up the distance between what we're bringing to the table and then what God brings to the table, that where we come to the place where grace, we realize that his grace is everything and that all we can offer is yes. All we can offer is yes. We don't have the ability to create spiritual impact ourselves. We don't have the ability in our gifts to produce things of spiritual influence and kingdom influence. Oh yeah, you can operate in your gifts. That's why there's all sorts of human endeavors out there and people operating in their gifts, but they don't actually bring kingdom influence and kingdom impact. They just bring flesh. And we love seeing flesh exalted. Our flesh loves flesh to get exalted. We love it. Look at unsaved, look at the unsaved world exalting flesh everywhere it turns. Because it's looking for the exaltation that grace brings, but it doesn't know how to find it because it's in the flesh, because the world is in the flesh. Right? And so we love seeing flesh exalted, flesh exalted. And almost, I mean, everywhere you turn, there's a, a new like monument to human endeavor. And it's flesh. And the mindset on the flesh is an enemy of God. I think this, the difference between manifesting flesh and manifesting spirit is operating in grace. And the ability to operate in grace has everything to do with humility. And humility is about whether you will agree that you have nothing to offer in your flesh. 
It's just as simple as that. And if you can, if you can, if you can agree there, if you can say, okay, grace will meet you. So there's areas probably in your life that you're striving. There's probably things right now that you're working so hard at and you're trying to work it out in your flesh and it's just not happening. I would tell you, give up. (laughs) Don't quit, give up striving. Give up striving and allow grace to meet you in that. And I'll tell you, that's when the wind comes. If I told you right now, God wants you to fly, and, and, and if you said, okay, okay, God wants me to fly. Okay, I, I believe that I want to fly too. I, I want to fly. And you started flapping your wings, flapping your non-wings, your arms. How hard and how long would you have to flap your arms to fly forever? And would you ever fly? No. So here's the thing. We need God to make us to fly, right? All you can do is say, okay, you want me to fly? I want to fly too. And then grace lifts you. But what we do is we go, God wants me to fly. I'm going to fly for God. And depending on how hard-headed you are, you will flap. And some will flap longer. And some some will flap shorter. And and I'm the type that flaps a long time. I'm like, you can't make me not fly. I'm going to fly. And I will flap until I'm just about dead. And he goes, I am so glad you've stopped flapping. So now we can fly together. And I'm telling you, beloved, God is inviting you to quit trying to make it happen in your flesh. He's inviting us. He's inviting us to grace, grace, grace upon grace. Do you see what I'm saying? That that testimony from from Friday night, I'm like, that is so specific to us. It's grace upon grace. We want the kingdom to come. We want revival to come. We want thousands to know Jesus. I don't have any more ability to make revival happen than I have to fly. But God wants to use us in something like that. He wants to use us in, in, a, in a way that the kingdom would come in this region and, and that thousands upon thousands would come into the kingdom and that people would be delivered of demons and get set free and get born again and get healed. But we do not have any ability in and of ourselves to make that happen. So we have to say, God, I cannot do this. But in you, I can do all things. I'll wait for the wind. Make me fly. If you think that you're able to do anything without God, you're likely what Galatians 6.3 was talking about. It says this, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Again, this is just the Lord dealing with me. I thought I'd share it with you. Last point I want to make. Last topic. We'll wrap it up. The Lord said, son, you're dealing with false humility. 
And I, I said, okay. And I confessed it to the leadership team. I said, hey, guys, I think I'm dealing with false humility. I go, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> I, I honestly, this is what I said. I go, I, I don't know what that means, but I think I'm dealing with false humility. I, and I just said, pray for me. I think I got to get out of this somehow. But I don't even know what it is. And, and then I, I remember a friend of mine said, the Lord had showed him the same thing. And then, so I, I literally, I, I was, it was when I was in Korea, I called him from Korea. I go, dude, the Lord just told me I'm dealing with false humility. Break it down for me again, what false humility is. And he breaks it down for me. And I went, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I did, just, it, I, what he said did not connect with me. And, and the Lord started showing me this issue. He goes, you think you're bringing something to the table. You think there's something in your own strength you're bringing to the table. That in itself is arrogance. And so by virtue of the fact that you think you're bringing something to offer me, that's pride. And, and here's the deal. You actually can't be humble, really, when you're operating in pride, when you think inside that you're actually bringing something to the equation. He goes, so what you've had to do is learn what humility looks like and try to act humble. You emulate humility all the while thinking you have something to offer. You emulate humility all the while believing you have something to offer. False humility. I went, oh, oh. So people that know me, they go, well, he's passionate. He's zealous. He's fiery. He, and, and I'm thinking, here's how I think. This is just me confessing. I know this is raw. Sorry. I'm just using this confessional. The Bible says confess your sins. I'm feeling free. You may not like it, but I'm feeling so liberated. I go, oh, I thought I was passionate because I'm bringing passion. He goes, no, I'm inviting you to be passionate. And when you say yes to grace, I make you passionate. And then I remember, wow, there's all these times in my life where I wasn't very passionate. I was like a dud. I was like trying to eat chocolate and watch movies and whatever, binge on Netflix. And that's not very passionate for Jesus. See, in my own strength, I will show a passionate side and at the same time have all this flesh going on. He goes, no, if you want to be truly passionate, you have to agree that you don't offer any passion, but that I want to make you passionate. And when you get filled with my grace, the expression of it will be zeal and passion coming out of you like you don't even know. I went, Yes, I get it. I can do nothing apart from you. I have nothing to offer. If he thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I go, oh. So then when cool things are happening and I'm actually thinking you're doing 90% and I'm doing 10%, I'm actually in arrogance. He goes, that's right. And I go, oh, so if I say that I'm doing zero and you're doing the hundred and all I can say is yes and the yes is even by grace, that's humility? He goes, yes. I go, sweet, real humility. And here's the thing. Unless there's real humility, God does something with the proud. He opposes it. And how often has God had to oppose the arrogance in our own soul to bring us to nothing, to bring us to the agreement that we can do nothing without him so he could fill us with grace and actually get us into what he wanted? But he's had to actually oppose us to break us so we will say, okay, I'm broken, I need you. And then he goes, great, and now I can use you. 
And so false humility, it's when you know what humility is supposed to look like, and all you can do is emulate it because on the inside, you actually think that you're offering something. In false humility, you don't realize that all you can produce is flesh. The gifts that God has given you, unless they are empowered by grace, they can never produce anything of kingdom influence or spiritual impact. Watch this. All that your gifts without grace can produce is fleshly monuments to human achievement that will perish and be burned up on the day of judgment. Some people are gonna bring skyscrapers made out of wood to the judgment seat and they will last a millisecond. What is the difference between the one that's made out of wood and the one that's made out of gold and silver and precious stones? The wood, it comes from the earth. That's a sign of flesh. That, that precious stone, that, that gem, it's, it, it speaks of, a, of something that's transcendent. It speaks of grace. You see, God wants to make out of our lives, he wants to make us a product of grace where we all joyfully agree. We joyfully surrender. We say, you know what, God? I can offer nothing. I am nothing. I have nothing. But with you, I can do all things. So whatever you want to make of me, make that of me. And I receive the grace of God to do it. And I repent of my propensity to want any of the credit or to offer any of my own strength. And therein, the grace of God will meet us. Does that make sense? Amen. All right, let's stand. This is a critical, critical message for us because he wants to take us from grace into glory. Not that we would ever lose grace, that we live by grace so that God can manifest glory because here's what will happen. If he manifests his glory and we think we're bringing anything to the, to, to the table to make that happen, we actually take some of the glory for ourselves. Oh, hallelujah. Well, it was good for me. Amen and amen.